we were teaching on four different, um, we're teaching, teaching on a series called A Living Sacrifice. This is the fourth message. And I entitled this message, the title is The Testings of Joseph. The Testings of Joseph. And this, this message, I'm not uh, just speaking of Joseph, because if we do that, uh, we're just in a historical mindset, and we're talking about something that happened long ago. It's good, but that's not what God wants for us. When we read the Bible, when we study the Bible, when we review the Bible, what God wants is for us to apply it. So application is more important than anything else. If you come away, you don't have anything to apply it with, then we are still out of sync. So that's what we want to do today. You remember last time I, I talked, I taught on the, on the, from Psalm 105. Turn to that, please, Psalm 105. So he prepared, and what he did was we said that what we want to do is make sure that we are praising God, make sure that we are glorifying him, make sure we are very thankful of him, make sure that uh, we have a glad heart. All those things are in Psalm uh, 105 in the first five, five verses. Then we said that we want to make sure that we understand that God is a covenant-keeping God. We said that. He keeps covenant. Uh, we went from there that God is a providential God, providence. God is, has things in control. That Even though whatever situation happened in your life, God is in control. Even though um, he doesn't put neon signs out there say, I am God, I'm doing this, he is in control and he's doing some things in our lives. He did it in Joseph's life. And if you would look at uh, verse 16, uh, we'll read there. In, Gen, uh, in, in Psalm 105, that's where it spoke of that God called a famine. And what he did from that is that he sent a man before Israel, and he prepared the way for a nation. That's what was happening there. Now, we're into Psalm 30, not Psalm 37, but Genesis 37. You remember we talked about Joseph had some dreams. He had two dreams. One dream was an interesting dream that um, he was gathering sheaves. His, his, his brothers were gathering, gathering sheaves. His sheaves stood up and, and um, stood upright, and his brothers' sheaves, they bowed down to him. His brothers didn't like that. Then he had a second dream. He wanted to tell them about that dream also. And that dream involved his father and mother, that the sun and the moon uh, and 11 stars bowed down to him. So uh, his father uh, didn't rebuke him on that. So then his father sent him to uh, Shechem to check on his, his brothers, and, and they had gone to Dotham, and, and he went there. And they said, oh, here comes that dreamer. And so they said, let's kill him. Uh, let's say that... Uh, throw him in a pit, and let's say that a uh, wild beast devoured him, and let's see what's going to happen to his dreams. Well, from there, of course, uh, Reuben said, well, let's don't do that. Let's just throw him in this, this pit here. And then Judah said, well, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites. So that's where we left off at in, um, I guess it was about 36. We left off, and then in, in the 37th chapter, it says, 
Meanwhile, the Mennonites sold him in Egypt to Potiphar, Pharaoh's official, the captain of the bodyguard. Now, we're going to pick it up in chapter 39. In chapter 39, verse 1, let's talk about today's message, the testings of Joseph, the testings. We could name it. The testings that we may go through. Not specifically, but we know that we are going to be tested. The word of God is tested, isn't it? It's tried. We're going to be tested. Jesus was tested, was he not? We're going to be tested. So how are we going to respond when we are tested? Verse 1 of Genesis 39, the first test. This is a test to see how is your attitude. Oh, it's a good test. It is a great test. How is your attitude? God is going to find out how attitude is. He already knows. But he's going to make it known to us and to people around us how is our attitude. Do you know that places where you go, that people find out how your attitude is? It's usually when something doesn't go your way. When things start trouble happening in your life. They find out your attitude. We need to know our attitude. Verse 1. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an Egyptian official of Pharaoh, the captain of the bodyguard. Now let's stop there. Now, now let's, let's kind of paint a picture, if we were probably sketching, if I had someone up here sketching Potiphar while we were talking. Potiphar, if he is the captain of the bodyguard, Pharaoh's bodyguard, he must be tough. He must be tough. You don't, you don't become a captain of, of the king's, Pharaoh's bodyguard if you're not tough. He's also, usually the bodyguard is the chief executioner. That means that when you want something done, you call for Potiphar. And you can Read, as you read scripture, particularly in the Old Testament, uh, when the king wanted something done, he'll send usually uh, his best man, the captain. When he wanted uh, Bathsheba's husband killed, he sent word, a letter by her husband to Joab. Joab was pretty tough. But Joab, of course, uh, his heart wasn't right. When Solomon took over the kingdom, when he, he was, the king was transferred to him, do you know who his bodyguard was? Do you know who was chief? Do you know who was the chief executioner? Benah. Benah, when he said, when, when, when uh, David said, hey, you take care of Joab. You take care of him. Well, see, Solomon 
is the one said, hey, go get Joab. Bring him out of the temple and take care of him. Kill him. But now was the one. Okay. He has to, he's probably not as kind as you would probably want to have as a husband woman. Probably. Because your kind person, they, oh, I don't want to cut off his head. I don't want to kill him. I mean, I mean, this is a nice man, you know. A chief executioner doesn't have those kind of feelings. You know. He said, take care of him. You take him out and take care of him. He can be hollering, screaming. It doesn't matter. You take care of him. Part of all. Just think about that, and you're going to need this as time goes on. Now, here he is, the captain of the bodyguard. He bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. Now, you know he's going to be pretty tough on, on Joseph, you know, because Joseph is a slave, a slave. He owns him. Whatever he says, Joseph has to do. If he doesn't like Joseph... Joseph is or used to be. That's what it will be. Would you agree with that? If he's if he's a chief executioner, if he's a captain of the bodyguard, if he's tough, he got uh, people under him, you know he'll wipe you out in a second if you don't please him. He's, he's important in the king's court also because he's the captain of the bodyguard. Verse 2, the Lord was with Joseph. Now, that's the difference, isn't it? The Lord was with Joseph. So, in other words, because the Lord was with Joseph, he became a successful man. And he was in, in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Now, we want to have this picture now. That Joseph must have had a good attitude. Must have. Because God's not going to elevate you, number one, if you have a bad attitude. He's not going to elevate you. You're going to have to learn some lessons before he elevates you. That's a lesson for me. That's a lesson for you. That whatever we are going through, have a good attitude. Do you hear what I'm saying? If you don't have a good attitude, it's going to hinder your success with God and, therefore, with man. And even if it's an unsaved person, a not yet saved person, believe me, that no one likes somebody around them with a bad attitude. Right, parents? Right wives? I won't say the right husband. They get me in trouble. Have a, have a good attitude. What can help us in our preparation for having a, a good attitude in tough times? Because believe me, we are going to go through tough times. You've already gone through some tough times, but you're going to go through tougher times. Let's look at Psalm 37. That's a good place that we can go to give us some what I would call guidelines for success. 
guidelines for success when we go through tough times. Let's look at um, verse 1. When you're going through tough times, here's the first rule. Three words. I don't know what you'll say. I'm reading out a New American Standard. What does yours say? Okay, do not fret. And somebody else have the King James. What you got? Fret not thyself. Okay? In other words, don't fret. <laughs> don't get angry. Don't get an attitude. Don't get indignant. Don't get, uh, that's what, it, what he's saying. Because that's what it means in the Hebrew. Don't get incensed and angry and indignant in this situation. Because, see, tough times can cause us to get angry. It can cause us to to get frustrated with people, with situations, with things. It can cause us to do that. And and then it's going to affect our attitude. So he says, don't fret. Then he gives us about five things that's so important that I want you to remember. And you can go to, you don't have to write it down if you don't want to, because it's right here in your scripture in verse 3. The first thing we need to do, uh, because, see, if you, ask, if you say, don't fret, don't get angry, I'll say, why shouldn't I? That's the first question I'm asking. Why shouldn't I? You don't understand this situation. You don't understand what they're doing to me. You don't understand that this, this man, you know, uh, he, he bought me. I, I, I told him, hey, look, um, I was sold by my brothers, and, and they, I think they were playing with me or something, but uh, the go- joke has gone too far now. Uh, so would you, would you please send me back to my father? No. So he, he could have attitude, but it says trust. That's a big word, trust. Place your confidence in Yahweh. Trust in the Lord. Then it says something else. Do good. Do good. Sometimes we are Christians, what we do, we say, I'm trusting in the Lord. But see, we have a bad attitude. I'm trusting in the Lord, but we half do what we're asked to do. Don't, we don't put our heart into it. We don't, we don't do it as unto the Lord. We just don't do that. Verse 4, delight. Delight thyself. Ooh, my goodness gracious, delight. Now, now delight is like you're taking, you're taking exquisite pleasure in the Lord. That's what you're doing. That's a, that's a different from just, well, I, I delight in him, you know. Like I do ice cream, I delight in him. But see, this is an exquisite excellence. A pleasure you have in the Lord. You you just can't do without the Lord. Trust in him. Delight in him. Then it says in verse 5, commit. That means roll your burden or whatever it is that you're carrying, roll it over on the Lord. And it's picturing a person who would have a, a burden on them and they have to bend over here, and then they have a person here, which is Jesus, and you just roll it over on him, and therefore you're not carrying it anymore. Now he's carrying it. 
roll it over on him, commit it to him. That's what that word picture is and commit in Hebrew. Trust in him. Delight in him. Do good. And it says, rest, verse 7. Rest in the Lord. A resting is not uh, just teenagers telling your parents, well, I'm resting today. I don't think I want to go to school. I'm resting in the Lord. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> resting is, is, a, is action. <laughs> You're actually doing something. You see, you have a reverential mood. You are thinking about the Lord. You are waiting. See, that's why it says, trust in Yahweh and wait patiently for him. In other words, as I go about my duty with the first things, I'm trusting in him. I'm delighting in him. I'm committing my way to him. And now I am waiting upon him. I'm waiting upon him. I'm just watching. You know, like the, the, like the, the, uh, the father did for the prodigal. He was waiting for him. So that he could see him from a way off distance and he could go meet him. We are waiting on the Lord. We know he's going to show up. We just don't know when. We don't know how. We don't know anything. But we do know that he's coming. He's always going to be on time. We know that. Then it says cease in verse 8 from anger. Cease from anger. Forsake wrath. Okay. Then it goes back to don't get incensed and angry and fretting over over stuff that this is like stuff for God you you, you got to go through some things it's going to be okay verse 18 the Lord knows the ways of the, of the blameless and their inheritance will be forever verse 19 they will not be ashamed in the time of evil and in the days of famine they will have abundance now I wonder, is that going to be true in Joseph's life? Let's go back to Genesis chapter 39. These were, these were just, we went over Psalm 37. Just some guidelines when you're going through tough things, tough times. When you're unsure what you're supposed to do, just guidelines. Guidelines, Psalm 37. People make a lot of mistakes when they have to make tough decisions and they don't follow the guidelines, the principles, in other words, that God has placed in his word. They would take, they take things in their own hands and then they have to go back to the starting point where they left off the road and got in a different direction and start again. I'm not interested in going around the wilderness 40 years, seeing the same sights. I've already seen those sights. One time is enough for me. That's the first one. How's your attitude? How is your attitude? Now, that's something for 2012 you need to check. In, in all your situations, how's your attitude? How's your attitude? It doesn't count when everything's going Hunkadori, peaches and cream, it doesn't count. Everyone has a good attitude. How's your attitude when things are not going the way you think they should go? And we're talking about in the four walls of your home primarily, 
Don't try to don't try to take it to the workplace if you can't do it at home. Don't try to do it in the church if you don't do it at the workplace. Do it at home, do it at the workplace, and bring it to the church. Now is real. It's real. We're not interested in in these fake smiles, are we? Right? We've seen enough teeth, right? Yeah, I'm serious. We're just some genuine smiles, okay, because we have the joy of the Lord. He's our strength, right? Now, that's scripture. Am I, am I correct? That's scripture. That's James chapter 1. Count all joy, isn't it? When you fall into various trials because the trial of your faith works, what? Patience. Let patience have its perfect working so that you'll be perfect and tired and wanting nothing. Oh, that's, that's the word of God. All over from Genesis to Revelation. Number two, test two. Pick it up in verse three. Now his master saw that the Lord was with him and how the Lord caused all that he did to prosper in his hand. Ooh, boy, this is a good one here. You see, it says some important stuff here. Important stuff. How are you... Work habits in all of your responsibilities. How are your work habits? How are my work habits at home when I know I have assigned duties that Minerva has assigned to me? <laughs> really? I mean, y'all ain't like y'all don't have assigned duties. <laughs> I know every husband and wife, you got assigned duties. Come on now. If you don't have any assigned duties, uh, man, my goodness, you must be Pharaoh or somebody, you know. You assign everybody else, and you don't have any duties. I talk to the wives. I know you got some duties, man. I know you got assigned duties. Everybody has assigned duties. The children have assigned duties, don't we? Everybody got some assigned duties. If you go in the household, you got to carry your weight. Do something, okay? Don't care how little you are. Do something, yeah. How are your work habits? How are your work habits when you're not getting paid? Come on. Because, see, getting paid is a motivator, isn't it? It motivates us because we can buy things, we can get things, right? So it's a motivator. And so that motivates us to do good at work, to smile at work. No matter what the boss does, we say, it's okay, boss. It's okay. You know? As long as you're paying me, it's okay. But see, that's not the way God is. How are your work habits when it's voluntary at home because you're not getting paid? You know, how, how well do you clean your rooms, teens, when you know you're supposed to be cleaning them, your room? How well do you do your chores, man, you're supposed to take out the trash, cut the grass, you know, do all the, the things like that. H- how are your work habits? See. 2012, we need to do a better job of doing things for God's sake because he looks at those work habits. He really does. It says here that his master saw. He saw something. He saw that the Lord was with him. 
So something must have increased. Something must have gotten better because of Joseph. Now, he says something important because this is something you also want to uh, take into 2012, and we're here, is that Joseph witnessed about Jehovah, about Yahweh, to Potiphar. He did. You say, how do you know that? It doesn't say that. Oh, yes, it does. It says here, now his master, Potiphar, saw that the Lord was with him and how the Lord called. How did he know about the Lord, Yahweh? And he's serving all these idols. How did he know if Joseph didn't tell him about it? How much do you talk about the Lord to your employer, to your teachers, to, to your friends? How much do you talk about the Lord? Because, see, anything that you do that's good is from God. That's what, it, that's what my word says. All good gifts are from above. Come down from heaven, the Father of lights. All good gifts. So it tells me. That Joseph had a tendency that, let's say that Potiphar said, Oh, Joseph, my crops have increased since you've been over it. Joseph, everything that you've done, you did a great job. Man, your parents must have taught you well, Joseph, because we're talking about a 17-year-old fellow, teenager. Oh, Joseph. See, Joseph could have said, Yeah, yeah, I, I did that, you know, I did it. Come on, he didn't do that. He said, uh, part of all, uh, uh, sir, it was the master, the Lord. I serve him. I, these things increase not because of me, it's because of him. Your crops, everything I do, they succeed because of him. Now, I know he said it. I know he said it. Because if we, if you, I've asked you to go on and study ahead of me. You know that in other places, he said he said it out of his mouth. He said it. So you know he said it here because that's the only way Potiphar would have known. Are we doing that? Are we doing that? When, 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 uh, when somebody said, well, well, Look, Jacob, you did a good job. You did a good job. Thank you for doing that. You said, Jacob, did you say, oh, it's, it's the Lord. It's the Lord. Do you tell your dad that? Yeah, I know you do. Yeah. Do, 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 do the teens tell your parents that when they say, oh, you did such a great job in, in school. You know, you, get, you were in girl state. You know, that was great. Was it girl state? You said, no, 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 it's the Lord. Dad, it's the Lord. It's the Lord. Please don't, don't, don't give me no, no credit. I had, to, I had to work. I had to study. But it's the Lord who gave me the strength. Come on, I know you said it. Isaac, you're supposed to be shaking your head like this, not like that. Come on, Isaac. I'm talking to the teens now. Huh? Is that what you do? Did you tell your, did you tell your parents? It's the Lord. It's the Lord. 
we're talking about practical things we can take away from here because if Joseph did that, you know it pleases, you know it pleases the Lord to give him credit, to glorify him. That's why we were created, to glorify God. We said that in 2011, around the second Sunday. We said we're going we're gonna to practice glorifying God this year in everything we do and everything we say. That's giving God glory. Brianna, is it getting too heavy for you in here? <laughs> Stepping on your toes, right? Okay, all right, just, just want to make sure. Test three. Now, test one, we know, we know that our attitude has to be good. Test two, our, our work habits. We've got to have some good work habits now. Good work habits. You don't want to keep telling the person the same thing over again. Clean your room. Clean your room. Clean your room. Yeah. You don't want to be doing the same thing all the time, right? Honey, cut the grass. The grass needs cutting. I need to do a better job. Now, now you know what I'm telling you, I'm telling me. All right? Because my wife told me about the leaves in the yard for about a month or two months. Hey, the leaves are accumulating on the yard. Hey, good. It's fertilizer, sweetheart. It's fertilizer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is. You know, it is. Too many of them. <laughs> Too many leaves in the same place. Going to kill the grass, you know. I don't want to be like it was last year. Uh, you know, don't let it get out there. Okay, sweetheart. I'm going to do it. Thank God for the Holy Spirit and friends. <laughs> oh, I called one of, one, of my, one of my knights. Hey, knight, hey, bring your lawnmower over, man. We're gonna, can you cut these leaves up and bag them up for me? You know, we're going we're gonna to do this thing. And, and uh, praise God, it's taken care of. You got taken care of. Then the yard got more leaves on it uh, for some reason. We don't have the trees on it. They blow across the street to blow from the neighbor's yard. Yeah. Anybody want any leaves? No one leaves, okay. okay? It's very important for us to be very uh, good at doing that. For the Lord's sake, those things we're responsible for because it's going to mean the difference when he starts blessing us. Number three. Test three. How high is your moral integrity? And we said one was, come on and help me now. We said one was, How's your attitude? Two, and we gave yourself what? How your work habits. Right? Especially when you're doing volunteer work. Okay. And number three, we're saying that how high is your moral integrity? We got to work on that. We got to work on it. We got to get a high, high, high because if we don't, it can cause problems later on. Let's start in here. Um, let's pick it up in verse 4 here and we'll show you as we progress here so Joseph found favor in his sight and became his personal servant now Joseph has moved from just a servant to his personal servant then he moves from his personal servant to an overseer over all his house. You remember he started in his house, then he moved to over his house. And all that he owned, he put in his charge. So here's a slave is being elevated by God and by man because of his attitude, because of his work ethnic, 
and because he is a child of God, isn't he? God has a plan for his life that has to come into play. We are children of God, are we not? Okay, we know that Joseph was part of the 12 tribes. Okay, here we go with the next part. It came about from time to time. He made him overseer of his house and of all he owned in the house on account of Joseph. Thus, the Lord's blessing was upon all that he owned and in the house and in the field. So he left everything he owned in Joseph's charge. And with him there, he did not concern himself with anything except the food which he ate. That is not good. That is not good. You remember I told you how powerful was he was a captain of the bodyguard? Now, women, it would have been, if you wrote that, you wouldn't have said that. You would have wrote, he concerned himself with nothing except his wife and what he ate. And if he had children, he said children. And what he ate. Pharaoh has this executioner. And I don't, I don't believe he was so kind and Davenel or Casanova. I just don't see that in him because of the statement. Why would you make a statement that you concern yourself with nothing but what you ate? Why don't you concern yourself with your wife? There's many people, there are many people neglect their wives. Many people. Husbands, here's just a 2012 charge to you. You need to pay attention to your wives. Those of you who have wives. You need to go back to the, your first love. When you were trying to win her. You need to go back to opening doors. You need to go back to buying flowers. <laughs> smack him, Stella. <laughs> you haven't gotten flowers in about five years. Come on, smack him. <laughs> I'm going to give you some flowers, Stella. Next week, I'll give you one of these. Huh? <laughs> Come on now. Women, they dream of being romanced. And, and, and to me now, I know a quality that I like is romance. So I had to ask Holy Spirit, help me be more romantic, Lord, because I know I'm not rom- romantic. I know I'm not romantic. How do I know I'm not romantic? One never told me. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm serious. She has that. She has a. I gave her to, to tell, hey, tell me some ways I need to improve. Be more romantic. Isn't it great? Yeah. Men, romance is not that. It's romance. Okay? Because when she said, I want you to romance me, 
Don't even go there. That's not what she means. She means romance. Hold hands. Put your arms around her. You know? Sit on the couch. Talk about the children. Talk about the future. Talk about things that concern her. That's romance. That's romance. Yeah. When you watch the, the pictures on, on um uh, you probably don't. When, when y'all were unsaved, you watch pictures, <laughs> and, and and people romance people. You know they they just they're interested in everything that they say. Oh, sweetheart, tell tell me your day today. Oh, nothing happened. Oh, something happened today. Tell me everything. I want to hear every detail of what happened today. Romance. I'm trying to help you, man. I'm trying to help you. Okay. Because see. I believe that Potiphar didn't do this. He cared about his food, but he didn't care about anything else. And it says here that now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. So he had a nice physique and he had a nice facial appearance. You know, he was pretty cool dude. Young. And it came about after these events that his master's wife looked with desire at Joseph and said, lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, behold, with me here, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. And he has put all that he owns in my charge. There is no one greater in this home or this house than I. And he has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. Now then, could I do this great evil and sin against God? It came about as she spoke to Joseph day after day. She was trying to wear him down. That he did not listen to her to lie beside her. Ought to be with her. Now it happened one day because she, she's planning on this thing. So what she does is probably she, she says, okay, I'm going to get rid of all these people in this house. This is going to be the day. No servants come in this house but Joseph. When he coming over in this house, it's going to be just me and him. Rules for help. Rules for help. The guidelines. Guidelines. Uh, gentlemen, teenagers, young men, young women. Here's a rule, a guideline that can help you. Do not be in enclosed room, doors closed, windows closed, blinds drawn with the opposite sex. That it's not your brother, not your sister. You understand? Because that environment leads to problems. Okay? I'm telling you, this is a rule that we try to use here at Cornerstone. Uh, We don't counsel in in the closed doors with just me and a lady. We're not going to do that. My wife will be with me. We're going to be somewhere out in the open 
It's not brand new around. It's not going to be no uh, behind no closed doors. It's just not going to be. Because, number one, you need to protect the integrity of the person. And you need to protect yourself from accusation. So that's why here, for the last 14 years, uh, we had um, uh, what I did, because I know how people are, that my secretary administrative assistant has always been one of my daughters. And when I received the mantle, uh, Michelle Griffith was the secretary. So Amelia brought Ivy on as an assistant so that, I'm not in the. I'm not in this church by myself, except with my daughter. That's important. Important. You people who are courting, or you people who are engaged, or whatever your situation is, a guideline is don't be behind closed doors with the opposite sex. It will help you stay out of trouble. She wouldn't have accused. Joseph at Barnes and Nobles. Just wouldn't have happened. Just wouldn't have happened. At the mall. Wouldn't have happened. Wouldn't have happened. Not going to happen. It's got to be behind closed doors. Got to be in secret. Okay. Now, people say, well, that's a stupid rule. That's not a good rule. We're grown. I'm 50 years old. I don't care if you're 70 years old. You need to have precautions because, number one, everything you do, you teach also. People watching. So you can't can't (laughs) mentor and disciple what you don't do yourself. So if if you're six years old and say, "Well, well, you know, I'm old and I'm over the hill now, so it doesn't matter to me. Yes, it does. Because you're teaching. You're teaching. Until you die, you got a flesh. Okay? I'm just trying to help us now. Glean from what we see here in Joseph because we know that she got rid of all these people. It was nobody in this house. That's what we do know. Nobody's in this house but her and Joseph. And she caught him by the garment, verse 12 says, and she said, lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand, and he fled. He ran outside. He said, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. But see, there are no witnesses. No witnesses, see. So she said, okay, you're going to shun me? You're going to do me like that? Well, then I'm going to fix you. So she called the men of her house, and she uh, told them that, see, he brought this, uh, this Hebrew here, it says in verse 14. He brought this Hebrew here to make sport of us. He came into me and, and to lie with me, and I screamed. <laughs> My goodness gracious. And it came about when he heard that I raised my voice and screamed that he left his garment beside me and fled and went outside. So she left the garment by her side until her master came home. And when she 
uh, spoke to him these words the he- about the Hebrew slave whom uh, he had brought bought there. And it happened as I raised my voice, he repeated the same thing and screamed that he left his garment beside me. Now, what are you going to do, chief executioner? This dude right here, he's going to try to make sport of me. He, he, you, you think he's so tough. But this is what he tried to do. Now, let me just give you some scriptures that will help you. Uh, Proverbs chapter 2, verse 6. You can read them on your own, okay? That, that just tells us how you have to be wise when it comes to opposite sex. And it's going to be talking about the adulterous woman, but, but we have adulterous men too. They don't care nothing about you being married. <laughs> Believe me, nothing. These ungodly people, they don't care nothing. I'm married, so what? How's he treating you? I'll treat you better. I mean, these people are crazy out here. You know? Proverbs 5, 15 is another area in there. Proverbs 6, 27 is another one. <clears throat> we won't go to them, but you just study them on your own. And it just gives us wisdom when it's dealing with the opposite sex. God is serious about this thing because what Satan is trying to do is, is, is he, hey, hey, I know God's trying to bless this dude. I got to take care of him. I couldn't get him with, the, with, 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 with his attitude. I couldn't get him with his work Ethic is, is, is his work habits. I couldn't get him with that. Ha, I know what I get him with. I get him with Paulus' wife because uh, he's, he's, he doesn't have any Hebrew, Hebrews here. No women. He's a young fellow, you know, handsome and everything. I fix him up. Yeah. And he just whispers things in, in Paulus' wife's ear. Oh, Paulus, he, he doesn't care about you. You know, all he care about is eating. That's all he care about, you know. Look at that handsome dude that comes at it. Look at that chest, man. What do you pump, pump a 220 pounds with one hand, you know? He's tough. He's tough. Look at that chest, you know? He, he feeds you all sorts of lies, you know? Yeah, it does. You know? He'll be better for you than your husband. Y'all can have this secret affair. Like, like, like you see on DVD, you know? She says, yeah, I saw that movie. Yay. But no, no. Look, let me tell you something. What Satan plans is to wipe you out. You know? What you think might be good, oh, it's going to turn out bad. I'm going to tell you. It's gonna, sin it might be pleasure, pleasurable for a season. Oh, it's going to be a short season. And, and I tell you, from Genesis to Revelation, it's already been done. Anything you want to do, it's already been done. Okay? And it always turned turn out bad. Already. All, all the time. Joseph knew that. He said, I'm not, I'm not doing that. You're crazy. I'm not doing that. That was number three. I had a fourth one, and I'll talk about that next week, maybe. Uh, but we're trying to glean now. We're trying to glean to help us in the 2012. You say, ah, ha, ha. That'll never happen to me. Ah, that's, that'll never happen to me. I'm going to have a great attitude, you know. Hey, look, you better heed what I'm talking about. Anytime, anytime we, we go over Scripture, don't you believe, don't you know that Satan going to come and try to test you on that? So we're talking about a great attitude in the midst of our trials. We're talking about having good work 
ethics and, and, and doing, doing what God has told us to do on a job, in the home, first of all, when it's volunteer work. Uh, we, we're supposed to be beyond reproach there. And then we're talking about having higher integrity than the world has. We're supposed to be much better than the world. It shouldn't be the same statistics in the church that it is in the world. It should not be. It should not be. We need the word of God. We need the spirit of God. We need each other. We need accountability. That's what we need. So next week, I'm going to go over to maybe the fourth one that I had for you. It's just a good one. Oh, it's a good one. And we're talking about Joseph. We're talking about trying to help us to glean so that we're going to succeed with whatever God has called us to do. And, and believe me, we don't know all the time unless you've had one of those dreams that Joseph had. You don't know what God's called you to do. And even though Joseph had that dream, he didn't know how it was going to come to pass. He really didn't know. He didn't know when it was going to come to pass either. Okay. Let's stand. 2012. Woo! This is going to be a great year, I'm telling you. It's going to be a great year. Oh, each, each Sunday, what I'm going to try to do uh, in, in, in January is uh, next Sunday, don't come looking for one of these. Well, this is a state of the church message, da-da-da-da-da. Um, this is what God said. We're going to lay it forth every Sunday because God is talking. And you can make New Year's resolutions. You can do whatever you want to do. Uh, but I would advise you to seek God and ask God, say, God, what is it that you want me to concentrate on? Because I guarantee you he was talking today because the word of God was, was given today. So he had to be talking. I know he wants us to be in a position to receive what he has for us. I know he does. I want to be, you want to be. And we need to help each other to be that so that when the carol's time comes, the right time comes, the time set appointed by God comes, we can, now I see, now I see all of this that God was taking me through. He did it to do me good. You meant it for harm, but uh, God was in motion doing something for the good of many people. God wants you to bless many people. He wants all of us to be prepared. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to, to glean from Joseph, Lord, the things that that you are showing us is historical, but it's not just a historical book. It's just not something that you just tell us about Joseph. You didn't give us a whole uh, chapter and all these things, all this information about Reuben, about Simeon, about Asher. You didn't give us all that. Some way, form, or fashion, you have us, you're having us to glean for our sakes because you have a purpose for our lives. You have a destiny for us, Lord. You don't want us to be sidetracked. You don't want us to be uh, put off into obstacles and going off path and 
have to start over and all these type of things because of the enemy, because of our flesh, because of the world system. You want us to learn what Joseph learned at an early age, 17 years old. God help us to have 17-year-olds in this church who are like Joseph. Help us to be at 6 to 7, 7 to 7, like Joseph. That's what we want to be, Lord. In Jesus' name, everybody say. Today, if you haven't given your life to Jesus Christ, today is the day of salvation. We want to give you that opportunity. We have prayer people up here with the prayer team coming. Uh, they'll pray with you, pray for you. They'll stand in, in for you and with you. No greater way to come into a new year than have somebody agree in prayer with you. Have a wonderful day. God sees the sacrifice that you made even today in being here. Because today is a holiday. Today is New Year's Day. And many of you might have been like I was standing up to 1 o'clock in the morning, 1.30 this morning. And I couldn't sleep in, but you could have. I have to be here. <laughs> but you didn't. God sees a sacrifice. And that's what it's all about, a living sacrifice. Our life is not our own. It's God. And so I thank you for being here. And I want you to enjoy the rest of your day. Eat a lot. Exercise a lot. <laughs> Be blessed.